This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. For Christians and Jews, this is one of the most important and joyous holiday weeks of the year. Passover begins at sundown tomorrow. Good Friday and Easter Sunday are coming up on the weekend, and it's a time we normally gather with our communities and our families to worship and celebrate and eat together. Now, things will be very different this year as these celebrations will be largely virtual. So what are you doing and uh, what are you thinking about all this? The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now let's go to Rabbi Michael Dolkin, spiritual leader of Temple Sinai Congregation of Toronto, and Father Michael McGorty, who is uh, from St. Peter's Catholic Church, also in Toronto. Thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate it. Hello. Hello. Good to be with you, Libby. Okay, I'll start with uh, Rabbi Dolgan. Rabbi Dolgan, I have to say, I'm trying to count my blessings, but, you know, I am bummed. I should have been with my family on the other end of the country, and uh, the, this holiday is kind of the big one for us. And, and I have to say, even though, you know, everything's good, we have the technology, um, I'm sad about this, and I would imagine that a lot of other people are too. Absolutely. Libby, thank you for having me, and thank you for addressing this really important topic about people's spiritual well-being at such an important time of year. Um, I think it's important to say it out loud uh, that uh, technology is wonderful and a distant second best to being with the people that we love. I'm, I'm, we'll talk about the holiday, but I'm also hopeful that people can hold on to that beyond just the few months uh, or many that this might last in the holidays uh, to remember the kind of uh, importance that we should place on the opportunity to be together, to mourn together, to celebrate together. Father McGorty, I mean, uh, Catholic Church is actually a pioneer at doing virtual masses and stuff. But again, I'm, I'm assuming that your parishioners are not happy that they can't come to church. Good Friday is, is your holiest day of the year, and Easter Sunday is, you know, fun. Yes, and I would echo the words of uh, Rabbi Dolgan. You know, it's a time when our communities love to come together. Part of the Jewish Christian tradition is that we are a people of community, and that's when we sense the most uh, that we are present and celebrating the mysteries of our faiths. But at the same time, in our history, there have been reasons why some people have not been able to come home because of business or war or the different things that have separated us. And as you say, the virtual celebration really is uh, key, that we're, we're not forgetting the celebration, we're making sure that we celebrate, but this is a very difficult time when we are trying to find a new way of doing it. So broadcasting masses, having uh, spiritual resources for the many people who wish to mark these very important days in our faith life are so important and so 
necessary. But we also need to be bear in mind the health and the well-being of those members of our communities whom we love and care for so much. What are the kinds of things you're hearing from your parishioners? Uh, are they on board with doing this uh, virtually? Uh, is it deepening loneliness for some of them, Father? For some it is. Uh, some do recognize the importance of the virtual celebration. It's actually surprising how many of my parishioners have already kind of made that shift. Those who are in their 80s and 90s sometimes can't get out in the winter, and so they know where the TV mass is. They say they tune into it every uh, morning. It's sometimes for some of the younger people, the healthier ones, that this is a new adjustment and, and a new reality. But they also know that this is something we are doing for the good of the community, that uh, the health and the safety of, of all of our loved ones is really why we're keeping apart in order that we might be together next year or whenever this situation passes. We all want to be together, and I think that's ultimately the reason why we're keeping apart this year in the face of this danger. Uh, Rabbi Dolgan, uh I think that uh, most uh, branches of Judaism have okayed Zoom for this year, but but not all of them. Am I right? Uh, You're correct that even some um, lenient Orthodox authorities, uh, especially 14 Sephardic rabbis in Israel, have made the unprecedented step of allowing people to use technology to connect on the night of the Seder, on the first night of Passover. I think that speaks to the, the power that this night has. Uh, in the Jewish community, uh, that uh, in fact, uh, at whatever level of observance, people are doing everything they can to, on the one hand, respect the life and death importance of social distancing, and on the second hand, finding some way to connect. And uh, as uh, what you mentioned earlier, I, I certainly am even hearing from people that they're planning to do something much more limited this year, um, that they find it difficult to um, think about carrying out the entire night of the first night Seder service online when so much of it is about being together. And on the one hand, we're trying to support people in that. Uh, our senior cantor, Charles Osborne, and I, on the second night of Passover, Thursday night at 6.30, are, um, are live streaming a second Seder uh, for mm. people to make sure people are not isolated, that they're not without the opportunity to celebrate and connect, something that where we expect participation from a number of different countries and a number of different places. At the same time, um, we're trying to do everything we can because uh, it is uh, an emotional loss for people that people are on board for to avoid the more frightening physical loss that could result otherwise. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I know that uh, there are some rabbis who have authorized, I mean, uh, you're supposed to uh, not eat any leavened products. Uh, some people are a lot stricter than others, and there have been dispensations. And what, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I've made arrangements because part of the family's in Vancouver, and there's time change, and it's all... Uh, mm-hmm. 
complicated. I'm glad to hear about your second Seder. Maybe we'll tune in. We were going to split it up and sing on the second night, and you don't want our family singing. Uh, um, Father McGorty, so Good Friday, obviously, the the service. Uh, What about the fun aspects of of Easter with the eggs and and the hunts, especially for children? What is there for, for children at this time? Well, I guess that would be something that is left to each set of parents to determine what they can do within the safety of their own home and uh, how it is that they'll celebrate with those with whom they're sharing their physical space. Uh, I think the big message is that for us that Jesus has risen, that both of our traditions, uh, the Jewish and the Christian tradition, have known difficulties in the past, and the message is that our God is with us through these difficulties, but also will be there when the difficulties have passed to help us to celebrate and to be aware of his constant and loving presence with us. I know in our own archdiocese, Cardinal Collins is ad, uh, having all of these celebrations at the cathedral, the three o'clock mass on, or celebration on Good Friday to commemorate the Lord's Passion, the Easter Vigil and the Holy Thursday are all televised and can be rebroadcast at any time on the uh, Archdiocesan website for those who wish to celebrate with their families at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a, a special message for children? Yes, I think the message is simply that God loves them very much, and this will pass. That uh, this is uh, something that's new for all of us, but we also know that these incidents pass, and it's simply a matter of being safe, looking after yourself, trusting your parents, and and staying close to home through this situation. Rabbi Dolgan, um, in terms of uh, people who are having trouble with this, uh, is there any generational aspect? Is it older people or the young? I mean, it's it's a big deal for kids. Uh, there's a, a ritual where they have to find a, a certain piece of matzah that they can ransom for all kinds of gifts. Um, what have you found? Yeah, I found there's definitely a generational divide, but there's not one generation that's particularly affected. Everyone seems to be affected in their own way. Um, families, uh, thankfully children, to search for the Akikomen, to search for this uh, uh, hidden piece of matzah that's something we do at the end of our Seder. Children, by definition, live with at least a parent, and so they at least have someone to celebrate with. Um, I find that the seniors uh, to be away from their families and to be much less comfortable with technology um, find, are having a very hard time and we're doing everything we can to provide for people's needs. And surprisingly, maybe, I find this is also exceedingly hard on uh, adults in their 20s and 30s um, who um, live by themselves. And this is, more than any other time, a time when they would usually celebrate with extended family and they find themselves alone. And sadly, I mean, here we're talking about the religious implications, uh, but the level of uh, unemployment and job loss in that age is staggering. And so to think of people at home when they're usually with their family at a night that's supposed to be joyous, um, when uh, their livelihood might have disappeared or be under threat, it's a, it's a really challenging time. And we're doing everything we can to create community um, in a virtual way uh, for that age group in particular to help them through what unquestionably is a very difficult time.
Well, yeah, I think it's also uh, the issue is that they've never had uh, kind of the responsible roles of preparing anything uh, for the ritual. Usually you're, you're older by the time you do that. And, and perhaps that is an issue as well. And even, even funny things. I mean, I follow a lot of cooking websites and one of them, I mean, the guy who runs it is a, is a chef. And he said, wow, you know, I'm, I'm 50 and never before have I had to make the matzo balls. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, um, I, I, I guess, uh, it's, I think part of it, it's, it's very difficult if they haven't had to, had the responsibility for the ritual. Yeah, absolutely. That generation, while they're very responsible, um, it's one of it, it, even uh, adults at any age need to have moments where we can feel cared for and a little bit more childlike. And it, you're right; it's very common for that age group uh, with the mutual celebration for parents to still get to provide for their adult children the way they used to when they were growing up. And for them to experience it more as part of that family and feeling that they're still a child, even with their level of activity and responsibility. So it, it certainly is a time that uh, has pushed pretty much every button that uh, everybody has, whatever their holiday that's coming up. We often underestimate because we say a lot of people aren't so religious, but the power of the symbols of this season, um, the cultural symbols, the religious symbols, whether people consider themselves religious or not, the power and the impact those have in our lives and the feeling we have when those are taken away, that's a, a challenging lesson that so many of us are learning this year. Uh- Father McGorty, what do you have to say about that, about the people who wouldn't consider themselves religious? Because uh, I'm, I'm sure that people who would fall into that category would certainly celebrate Easter. Yes, and I'm finding that many people who might just be very busy most of the time are actually rediscovering a sense of religiosity and and a purpose, like what is the meaning of life in asking these questions. And so even I was listening to uh, Rabbi Dolgan talk about that interconnectedness between the generations. So many of the young people now are really looking to their grandparents, their parents, and sort of asking, like, how do we make something out of this? How do we find a deeper meaning? And I think we all sort of live with an illusion that we're in control and life is going to follow a certain path, and and an event like this sort of shakes us and makes us realize how vulnerable we really are, and then ask those spiritual questions of what do I believe the the deeper meaning of life is. And so I think there are a lot of people turning to their religious traditions at this time to try to answer the meaning of life, to try to figure out uh, what it is that they really have in life other than their routine. And this is a time when the Lord is inviting all of us, I think, to to draw closer and to know that, as it says throughout the Old Testament in the Psalms, that He is with us and we are His people. Uh, Rabbi Dolgan, you know, I've, I've seen some studies uh, that show that millennials are the most anxious generation, and I would think part of it is uh, an issue of resilience. They haven't necessarily gone through bad stuff in their lives, as opposed to those of us who are somewhat older and have experienced things. Do you find that uh, religion can help people build a little resilience? 
Absolutely. Um, Our synagogue has one of the most active uh, 20s and 30s groups uh, in our entire movement in North America. Uh, We're lucky here in Toronto that it's uh, more common for people who grow up in the community to remain and live here. And so people already have some established connections that they can turn to um, at this time. Uh, some of them do it religiously. Some of them do it culturally. Um, there are many different uh, avenues for uh, emerging adults to find uh, how the symbols of their tradition, how their larger community, how the narratives, the stories, each of our uh, Catholic and Jewish traditions uh, at this time are focused on an essential narrative, an essential story that tells us who we are. I think whether people call themselves religious or not, the opportunity to confront, to wrestle with, to affirm, to relive narratives from our own personal background and history and to explore what they mean for us. I think that's meaningful for everyone, but I think it's special. It carries an especially strong meaning uh, for uh, younger adults who grow up in a world where on social media, what we constantly do is tell our stories. That's uh, that's interesting. I mean, one of the interesting things about this is certainly in terms of Passover is sort of ironic that it's a plague. We, of course, count 10 plagues. I'm counting 11 this year. Uh, and there's so many sort of eerie similarities. You're supposed to clean your house and get rid of um, get rid of leavening. And now we're all like frantically cleaning everything. And, and it's all about this 11th plague, so... Yeah, there are, uh, there are a number of eerie similarities that uh, the Passover meal is the only time that it's traditional in Jewish uh, practice not to wash your hands just once for a meal, but to wash your hands twice. For 20 many, seconds. <laughs> yeah, many people are, 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 are laughing about that. Um, and what's also uh, wonderful about the, the symbols of the Passover Seder is it's a place historically where in almost all Jewish circles there's a mixture of tradition and creativity, uh, where it's common to have um, new versions of these stories, the ten biblical plagues, and people will mention uh, modern plagues, and there's no question that that echoes this year. I'm going to suggest I was doing a a preparation for Passover webinar in partnership with UJA Federation of Toronto just yesterday. And one of the suggestions we came up with there was at the time of the plagues, we take our cup of wine and we, we take drops out of it. We diminish our cup of wine uh, to show that even we need to celebrate in life, in life, but it's our celebration is diminished by the plagues we experience and it is this year. And in that uh, webinar, as a result of the conversation, we also suggested maybe this year, after taking those 10 to 16 drops of wine out of our cups, we should refill our cups and lift them as a thank you and a salute to all of the frontline workers who are making it possible for us to have this celebration and to do so in safety. So even this year, we're looking for ways to take the reality we're experiencing and to make it clearer to tell ourselves those stories using the symbols of our tradition. And uh, Father McGorty, I've seen a couple of special prayers for this. Uh, are, are you going to be uh, having any of those in your service? Yes, Pope Francis has asked us to include a prayer 
for the pandemic. And uh, there's also a prayer that he's written asking uh, for the intercession of the Blessed Mary at this time for the world. But I, I really think it's uh, important to highlight some of what uh, Rabbi Dolgan was saying. So often we think God is with us when things are going well. But the Passover story and the story of Jesus are of a God who is with us in the midst of these terrible things, and that he promises us that he will walk with us, whether it's in the uh, the cloud that leads the people of Israel or the Holy Spirit that is with the Christian people, that he's with us in the trials and the tribulations. And that's, I think, we're really where we're called to encounter him, not so much when things are going well and we maybe forget that he's with us, but at these times when he wants to be at our side and to reassure us that uh, he is with us, he knows what's going on, and he will be with us as we make our way through these difficulties. Okay, well, that's a a good message. End on Rabbi Dolgan, 20 seconds. (laughs) I want to wish everyone out there the blessings of the season, and especially to the Jewish community. I want to wish everyone, uh, as we say, Chag Sameach V'Kasher Uvali. This year we want to add to it. We usually say, may you have a happy Pesach, may you have a, a kosher, a proper Pesach, and may you have a healthy Pesach this year. We look forward to celebrating in an entirely unusual way this year in the hopes that by doing so, there are going to be more of us here next year to celebrate in the way we've been accustomed to. Okay, well, thank you so much, Rabbi Dolgan, Father McGorty, and uh, happy Passover, happy Easter to both of you. Uh, appreciate your insight. Thank you, Libby. Happy Passover, well. happy Easter. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.